I'm going to ask you, um, especially you at home, to stay with us through this whole message. We're going to get to the end. We're going to have a, a closing song, but then I'm going to talk to you a little bit after that closing song. And so I just I ask you to stay. Don't think, okay, we're done and we can kind of move on. Uh, it, it's all kind of a continuation of what I believe God is going to be doing in our uh, hearts today. I have a question for you as we start. Have you ever thought about the moment when your eternity will start? I know we, we talk about heaven, and, you know, and, and, and we can study about it, and we're told some things, but, you know, we know that we, we see them kind of dimly, kind of like a shadow, a reflection. Um, so, so we have that concept of heaven, but have you ever thought specifically, if you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, have you ever thought about the, the moment when your eternity will start? I mean, what will it be like for you? You know, I think because death precedes eternity, sometimes it's hard for us to focus on that moment when we get to eternity. And when we think about dying, we think about the pain, you know, of of death and and suffering and certainly the effect that it will have on the loved ones and the people that you're leaving behind. But I'm asking you just to kind of put that part, death, Put that all aside. However God takes you, you know, out of this world, put it out of your mind for a moment. I think, think about being here right now, and now you're in eternity, just like that. You're in eternity. There's no long tunnel that you walk through towards the light. There's no reincarnation that you come back and you get another try at it and whatever. There's no place of penance that you go to to try to earn your way ultimately into heaven and pay for your own sins. Here, and then now eternity. One instant, you're on earth. The next instant, eternity. And that exchange in your life is made. And everything we have, everything we've accomplished, now it is behind us. And now we are in eternity. What do you picture that your eternity will be like? What do, you, what do you picture in your mind? Well, I was kind of thinking um, over the last month or so about what messages I wanted to. We're in the book of First Thessalonians, and we're ultimately going to get back to the f- book of First Thessalonians, but we're kind of in the holiday season, and we're kind of in a difficult season, you know, for everybody. It's just a frustrating time for us, so... I didn't want to just continue in Thessalonians. I said, Lord, what do you want us to do? And so I want to visit something for the next few weeks. It, it may go into the new year. I want, to, I want us to consider eternity. I want to take us back to eternity. And w- what if I told you today that the small choices that you make today and tomorrow and all week and all month, all these choices that you make, you know, who you might invite to dinner or how you treat your boss or you react to to somebody at work. You know, that Christian service that you may choose to do, that sacrifice for Jesus Christ, that all of those things, those decisions that you have to make every single day, every single week, that each and every one of those things could change what happens in your eternity. Jesus reveals that our actions now will have an effect on our future, on our eternity. Again, I don't understand it all, 
but God reveals enough of it to me. Look what it says in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. It says, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and insult you and scorn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. It says, rejoice on that day and jump for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For their father used to treat the prof- their fathers used to treat the prophets the same way. Now we often look at this verse, it's a, it's a verse we use often, and, and we think that our rejoicing in this verse that it's talking about is coming because I'm suffering just like Jesus suffered. I'm suffering just like the prophets suffered. And, and that is a biblical truth. You know, that, you know that, that we should count it an honor to suffer for the name of Christ. That's the truth there, but, but that's not what this is talking about here. Don't miss the phrase that as it talks about our suffering, it says, be glad in that day. Be glad in that day, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. There's a distinction being made. There's a break here between the suffering that we had on earth and ultimately on that day when we get into heaven and we receive the rewards for what we've done. You know, Jesus reveals why you and I can rejoice when we suffer for Christ. Why is it? Because there's a distinct connection between something you do for him on earth today and something great that he is going to do for you someday in heaven. Now notice that Jesus describes it as a reward for doing something. Now that would distinguish it from a gift that you receive just because you get saved. You know, just because you get saved doesn't mean your reward in heaven is going to be great. There's a distinguishing that he's making here concerning something that you're doing. And again, also the reward is specifically and personally yours. It's yours if you behave one way. It's not yours if you, you know, behave in a different way. For example, if during persecution, you know, you deny the, the name of Christ. I mean, it's, it's not yours. Then that, that reward in heaven. You see, Jesus isn't asking us to jump for joy because we're being persecuted but jump for joy that suffering for Christ will bring a great reward in heaven. That it matters. That it does make a difference. Let's consider these examples. I'll give these verses to you quickly here. Matthew 16, 27. says, For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every person according to his deeds. Okay? Luke 14, 13 and 14. But whenever you give a banquet, invite people who are poor, who have disabilities, who are limping, and people who are blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you. And catch this, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You see, a decision you make is going to make a difference at your resurrection, at your eternity. Hebrews 11.35 talks about women who received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release. In other words, they didn't deny the name of Christ. You know, they stood firm in their faith. Why? So that they might obtain a better resurrection. It made a difference how they lived their faith day in and day out. 
And the implication of this is enormous. First of all, it suggests that God is keeping track of all that you and I do. Everything that we do. I, I have forgotten some of the things that I have done for Christ. I mean, I've, I, you know, years and years ago, God hasn't. That service, that, uh, that outreach, that sacrifice, that standing firm for his name, God has never forgotten a single one of those things. However long you've been, you've, you've been a Christian, God remembers all of those. He is keeping track of those. And the second implication, though, is that we have more to gain by serving him than we can ever imagine today. It's not just about treading water here. It's not just about biding our time until we get to heaven and then we're going to have glory. It makes a difference what we do today. <coughs> excuse me. Jesus teaches, Jesus, excuse me, Jesus' teaching reveals two keys that will determine everything about your eternity. Okay, key number one is your belief. Your belief. This key unlocks the door to eternal life and determines where you will spend eternity. Everybody is going to have eternal life. There are only two choices, though, heaven or hell. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Acts 4, 12, there is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby you must be saved. It is totally Jesus Christ. That, that, that is key number one, is our belief. And it all hinges on Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross to pay for our sins. And when we embrace him and we take him upon our life, his, his death becomes an atonement for our sins, a covering for all of our sins that we've ever committed. That's key number one is your belief. Have you made that decision for Jesus Christ? Key number two, though, is your behavior. Your behavior, it unlocks the door that, of the rewards that you will receive and determines how you will spend eternity. So suddenly all the decisions that you make, all the decisions of life become an opportunity to somehow shape my eternity. How I spend my money, what I do with my time, how I treat other people, the smallest service or the greatest sacrifice. It all makes a difference to how I spend my eternity. Listen to Jesus' teachings on this in, in, in Mark, Matthew chapter 16. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. <coughs> but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what good will it do a person if he gains the whole world, but he forfeits his soul? Or what will a person give in exchange for his soul? So, so here's what the verse is saying here. So, so you get that job. You get that nice home that you've been working for. You get that car. You get, you get to go on that vacation. Folks, those things are not the problem. The issue is what have you given up of your life to get those things? And his warning here is don't let it be your soul. Don't let it be part of your faith. Don't let it be your relationship to Jesus Christ. That's what, what, what's at the heart here. My life and all my decisions I make, all I do for Christ, the denying, the setting aside myself, it's, an all, it's all an issue of the soul, what my soul hungers and desires. And so you, you have those verses. They are very familiar to us through verse 26. But then verse 27 comes, 
And it says this. He says, For the Son of Man is going to come in glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every person according to his deeds. So it talks about the, you know, the not giving up our soul, not forfeiting our soul. It talks about taking up our cross and, and following Jesus Christ, not denying him. And it's all tied to one day he is going to come and, and how we do that, to what degree we do it, how well we do it, is going to matter. Someday, when you stand before Jesus, all of these things, everything in your life is going to make a difference what you have done. Well, let's describe it, and, I, and I've used this before here, but let's describe it as a timeline of, say, you, every single person has six major events in his life, and it doesn't matter who you are. We all share these common six things. Let me give them to you. Number one, we all experience life. You are created in the image of God for life and purpose. I think we have that up there on the board. Okay? Although you didn't exist before in the past, you are going to exist forever in the future. I mean, that's a simple truth. You ever think about that? You're going to exist forever in the future. And between your birth and your death, you live here on this earth in body, soul, and spirit. The second event of your life, major event, is death. You die physically. But we don't die spiritually. Just as birth is your brief entrance into life on earth, so is death, the death of your body, your instantaneous exit. Yet since you are more than just organic material, we're more than skin and blood and bones and, and cells, because we're more than this, your, your life, your soul, your spirit is going to carry on. Jesus reveals that after death, your soul is either with God in heaven or it's apart from God in hell. Third is our destination. You reach your destination after death. And that is determined by what you believed while you were here on earth. Your eternal destination is decided by whether you believed in Jesus, whether you put your faith and trust on his sacrifice on the cross while you were alive here on earth. In all of Jesus' teachings, Jesus identifies only two possible locations in the afterlife, heaven or hell, smoking or non-smoking, folks. There are only two fourth thing is the resurrection. Everybody is going to receive a resurrected body. In eternity, every person will experience bodily resurrection. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. It says, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come out. Those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the bad deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Our new bodies will be immortal and they can never again experience death. For those who are resurrected to life in Jesus, we're going to be transformed. Our lowly bodies here are going to be conformed to his glorious body. It says in Philippians chapter uh, 3, verse 20 and 21, it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ, catch this, who will transform the body of our lowly condition into conformity with his glorious body by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. We're going to have a, 
a resurrected body, just like Jesus Christ. Now, the fifth thing is going to be repayment. You are going to receive your reward of retribution for an eternity based on what you did on earth. Okay, it's going to make a difference. Although your eternal destination is based on your belief, your eternal reward, how you spend that eternity is based on your behavior while you're here on this earth. Believers and non-believers will be judged by Jesus Christ as events, at event, an event called, excuse me, the Bema seat and the great white throne of judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one might receive compensation for his deeds done through the body in accordance with what he has done, whether it is good or bad. See, the outcome will determine your degree of reward in heaven or your degree of punishment in hell. In Matthew chapter, you know, uh, we, you know let me pause on that point. You know, we think about that hell. It's just hell. Folks, there's degrees of hell. It's going to make a difference, even for the unsaved, you know, who end up in hell. It's going to make a difference what they did in this life. It says in Matthew chapter 23, 14, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers, therefore you will receive a greater condemnation. I mean, here they are, the very leaders of Israel, the hypocrites, ripping off widows, you know, doing everything for a show. They said, you're going to pay for that someday. Jesus said, I, I don't forget that. So we, we have... We all have this time of being repaid for what we have done. And then the final thing, this final step is eternity. You will live forever in the presence or in the absence of God, reaping the consequences of your beliefs and your actions here on earth. Good consequences or, or bad consequences. Jesus taught that an eternal existence awaits for every single person. And it matters what we do on this side of eternity. So, if you look at these, these six main events of your life, you know, you look at them in terms of a cause and effect, you'll notice that your life now directly impacts everything that is going to happen after you die. It, it affects your destination, it affects your resurrection, it affects your reward, it affects your eternity. All are affected by the decisions you're going to make later today, that you're making today, right now that you're going to be making throughout this week. The choices you make in life, they don't come to nothing when you die. They matter. And they will continue to matter for all of eternity. We might put it like this. Maybe let's look at it at a different angle. In life, there are two different sets of consequences. You know, we called them keys earlier. The first consequence is our eternal destination. It's a consequence of what we believe here on earth. How we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The second is our eternal compensation. It's a, it, it's a consequence of how we behaved while we were here on earth. And it's unfortunately that even in, in Christendom, you know, there's this thought that, you know, that, that we kind of break the link of, of what it matters of how we live down here to our eternity. I mean, haven't we, you know, all somewhat identified that, whether mentally in our head or certainly we live like it, and we say, well, I'm a Christian. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven and get to heaven. You know, God wipes away all the tears and everyone's just the same when we get to heaven. Again, folks, I don't understand it. But that's not true. 
what I do here, what I do with my faith, what I do in my relationship with Jesus Christ, the decisions that I make, everything, every moment that I do is shaping my eternity and how I'm going to live my eternity. I mean, obviously, the most important decision is the decision a person will make to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. You don't make that one. You don't get that one right. Everything else is a moat point. But have we missed that link between after we get saved? Again, sometimes we see our salvation as, you know, the finish line. But no, it's the starting line of a life lived for Jesus Christ. And just consider for a moment what rediscovering that connection between every single thing that we do today and our eternity, what that could mean to us, what that what could mean to our faith. Now, I want to leave you with a visual here, and, and we're going to, uh, I've used this before. Is that line there, is that on a separate slide? There we go, thank you. All right, I've used this visual before, but the dot here, the dot is small, and a dot exists in one place. You know, we could kind of measure the distance of it and everything and, and how much it occupies. The line, however, begins in one place, and then it just takes off. Imagine that line going on forever and ever. That dot represents our time in this life, right now. The dot represents what's going on. Whether God gives you 40, 50, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, that's all encompassed in that dot. The line represents your life after the dot, after you die. The line represents your eternity that goes on and on forever. And what happens inside of that dot, everything that happens affects that line, affects that eternity. And I want you to ask yourself, I want you to look at that visual that we have up there. And I want you to ask yourself, are you living for the line or are you living today for the dot? Are you living your life for the eternity that is ours in Jesus Christ? Are we living it for the here and now, the measurable of, of, of what we can touch and, 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 and feel. I want you to think about this for a minute, and I'm going to have a very special challenge for us. I'm going to call our worship team up at this time, and we're going to sing a song, and then, again, I'm going to come back, and I need to talk to you for, for just a, a few moments more. Um, so, but, but let's, at this point, let's just pray, and let the song we're going to sing kind of saturate into our hearts, and then I want to challenge you again. Father, I thank you for this truth. I thank you, God, that it does matter whether I forsake you or whether I stand for your name. It does matter whether I open my mouth and share my faith or whether I choose to let my neighbor walk off into an eternity and never hear of you. Father, I thank you it matters the smallest service or the greatest service. God, help me to understand this. I, I, I confess to you that it is easy to get worn down with life. It's easy to get worn down with just everyday living. And especially in this culture that we're living right now. God, we need you. We need, we need to be reminded of who we are to you. That we bear your name. That we are your children. That our, our adoption is yours into your kingdom. We are your bride. We are the apple of your eye. Remind us of that. Satan wants us to forget it, Father. 
I just thank you, God, for, for reminding us of these things and even challenging us in a moment. Just continue to work in our hearts, Father, as we sing to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, we said earlier that our belief is the most important thing. Where we put our faith and trust, is it in Jesus Christ? Is it in his shed blood on the cross? And whether you're listening at home, whether you're here, you know, with us live here today, you know, this is an important choice. And if you haven't made that choice, again, I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about an eternity. I'm talking about a choice between heaven or hell. It all pivots on the cross. And what you do with what Jesus Christ has done for you, dying for your sins. Have you made that decision to accept him as your Lord and Savior? But the second thing we've been talking about is our behavior. We've been talking about the choices we make today, this week, and how they'll make a difference for eternity. Well, I want to talk for a few moments specifically about our present COVID situation. I want to talk about Christianity in a COVID world. I want to talk about our church here. You know, way back when, when this started in March, you know, we did a lockdown and went totally online, and then we had to do outside services. We slowly came back. And, you know, we all thought it was going to be a month or so. And it didn't seem, you know, that urgent, okay? We just kind of, you know, tread water for just a little bit. You know, and then we'll kind of get back to business. But it's going to be going on a year pretty soon. And we've got to stop treading water. We have to stop treading water as a church. We have to stop treading water as personal individuals. My question is, is as I was looking at this, and, and again, I, I actually wrote you know, down my thoughts this morning. Because it's difficult. How can I live this truth that we have talked about in this present culture, in this environment? I mean, we are, we are shut down. You know, the ease of just going and visiting, reaching out to somebody, or going over to our neighbors, or, or gathering together to go do something, you know, it, it, it's stymied. And, and I'm hearing over and over and over again, you know, kind of a resignation to, well, it's just better to be safe than sorry. And it's affecting our faith. It's affecting how we're living our behavior, our behavior today. I want to give you some ideas. I want to challenge you today. And in, in how, just give you some ideas to kind of prime the pump of how we can continue to live our faith in this present culture, in this environment. Not, again, not just tread water, waiting until it gets done. First thing I want to challenge you with is you need to be creative. The old things that we have done in the past for us to be able to get together and to serve or to minister and to reach out, um, you know, those things may not be there for a while. So we need to be creative in how you're going to reach out. It may not be, well, I'll just wait until the church puts out a one call and says, hey, we need, we're doing this. And it's hard as a church. It's hard for me as a pastor to, to plan anything in the future because I don't know what the future is going to bring. And I don't know even if I plan anything, is anybody even going to come? If I plan it, so we have all these hindrances. So we need to be creative as a church and as individuals. And the second thing is we need to be proactive. 
Don't wait for an opportunity. You need to seek one out today. You need to make an opportunity for Jesus Christ. Don't just wait, well, you know, if, if it comes across my path, you know, I, I'll do it. Folks, we're, we're so isolated now. There aren't things coming across your path very often. So I want to give you some ideas. I sat there and I brainstormed last night and this morning about, you know, some things that, that we can do and some challenges. First, I, I want to encourage you, you know, if, if this is kind of where you're at and you enjoy doing this, even if you don't, you know, we can send cards to one another. You know how much you love getting a card, a personal one, you know, not just a form letter, but that somebody, just the idea that somebody has taken the time, somebody has thought enough about you to, to, to write something in a card and to go find your address and to get a stamp and to go out to the mailbox. You know, send a card. What a great ministry to encouraging. Call. Make it a goal to call one family per day. One family per day. Just to reach out to them, see how they're doing. You know, just tell them you, you miss them, miss seeing them. Doesn't have to be a long call. Send them a text. Send, send somebody an email. And take a moment to pray for them and, and then get a hold of them. Another thought, weather permitting. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't yesterday have been a great opportunity for you to go to make an outside visit to somebody? I mean, I know it's tough to, to get inside people's homes and, you know, we're, we're all, you know, living in this state of uncertainty. But just to go out and, you know, ring the doorbell and step back off the porch and talk to somebody outside, you know, keep 10 feet distance and, and just visit with them. This past week, um, the Ways called me about an uh, extra turkey that they had. And they wanted to know if anybody I knew needed the turkey. Well, I didn't get the message until a little bit later. And by the time I called them back, uh, Christina said that Terry said that he thought about Safe Harbor House, our mission that we support in, in Springfield, that that you know, takes women who are, are abused and are hooked on drugs, alcohol, whatever it might be, and, and in, infuses them with Jesus Christ and a new life. And they are in constant need. So they donated, they gave that turkey to them, called them up, and they said they'd love to have that turkey. They were so thrilled. And it made me think, you know, here's a ministry opportunity. Why don't you make a meal for them and take it in? I, I, I'm not positive. I think there's probably at any given time, eight to ten ladies that are there. I know they loved it when we went up there as a church a couple years ago and the ladies all went in and they made meals that they froze and they worked with the ladies and, and they put them all up. But why, why don't you get together with another lady or two that you, you know feel good about the COVID situation with and, and, and make a bunch of meals and, and take them up to them and, and, and give them. Folks, our missions is out of sight right now and out of mind. We are so consumed with surviving today that I, have we thought about Safe Harbor House? Has we thought, have we thought about the Pregnancy Resource Center? How about giving them a call and just say, is there some need, is there something that we can come up and, and, and do, that I can do for you? WEEC, I know they do mailings every month. And, you know, I'm not sure how they're doing it during this COVID time, but I, I imagine that it encompasses a lot of people that they need. You know, uh, get a hold of Kathy Ackley. You know, get a hold of WEEC. You know, go down there, volunteer, get involved. Listen carefully. We need to be listening carefully today. 
find a family to encourage. Again, we are just very self-consumed right now, you know, with what we can and can't do and frustrations that we have. And without any intent of our own, it's so easy that we can become self-absorbed. So we need to listen carefully. Listen with your spiritual ears for a family that you can encourage. It doesn't mean that they have a need. You don't have to just wait till a person has a need to encourage them, to go alongside of them and help them, connect with them. In this upcoming week or so, uh, Val Manneman is going to be decorating the church um, for Christmas. And she could use one or two ladies to help her decorate. I've talked to Val about this already. And she would love it if, if some of you called her and offered to come and help decorate the church. Tomorrow or Tuesday, uh, Larry and Rose Schultz, I know tomorrow morning they're having carpeting put in their house. Joel and I were out there yesterday moving their 400-pound pellet stove out on the porch. And after their carpet is moved in, they're going to need help moving their furniture back in and moving that pellet stove. And depending on when they get the carpet done tomorrow, they need somebody, a couple people, guys preferably, to drive out there and help them. Now, I am planning on doing it and hopefully to find somebody else, but I would love it if there were two other people. I, I don't need all the blessings of, of doing the service just because they come through me. It's about 20 miles out, you know, to get there to, out to pick. What's about 20 miles? It takes about a half hour. It's probably going to be about two hours for you to opportunity to serve uh, one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. I talked to Steve Ackley this morning, our, our chairman of the trustees. There are a lot of repairs around this church that we can be doing right now. Light bulbs to be changed, you know, mundane type of things, everyday things. You know, our trustees do a great job with it, but you know, give them a call. I mean, this is, this is about your eternity of how the decisions I make today. I mean, what kind of decisions have you made in this, this COVID culture the last eight or nine months? Have we been proactive? You know, have we been reaching out to other people? We need to engage. We need to pray for one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to reach out. Folks, it will make a huge difference in our church family today. And according to God, it'll make a difference in your eternity for tomorrow. Now I'm going to invite you, if you would stand together with me. We're going to close in a word of prayer, and, and then we'll sing a song as you guys are dismissed. You're welcome to stay with us and, and, and sing along with us, or you're welcome to uh, you know, get out of here if you'd like. But, but take this very seriously, folks. Um, I mean, my, my heart breaks for the church. My heart breaks for Christendom. We are, we are at something that we have never, at a place we have never experienced before, and especially our church. And we are so tied to each other. I mean, we don't make it all about our, you know, the production on Sunday morning. We don't make it all about the music and, you know, all, all the, the whistles and lights and everything. We make it about our relationship with Jesus Christ and our relationship with each other and the care that we provide with each other. And uh, folks, that's under attack today. And I just want to challenge you personally, don't wait for the church. Engage in your faith. Listen, listen to the voice of Christ. Listen to the Holy Spirit. They're telling you what to do. Father, I thank you. Just for that voice that you do give us. 
Father, this isn't a, a message of condemnation. This is a message of encouragement, or a message of reminder of who we are and whose we are, that we are more than COVID-19, that we are more than our culture. We are more than our shutdowns and our mandates. Father, we are children of God. And God, I pray that you will help us to understand, you know, in this culture, how to live like that that we would be honoring and pleasing to you, that the world might be able to see us and know that we are your disciples by the love that we have for one another. God, I ask you as, as we go away from you, as we are dismissed in your grace and mercy, Father, that you will just let this truth gnaw on us, Father. Don't let Satan steal the seed that's being planted right now. I pray that it will grow in our lives. And God, that this week, this day might even be different than it's been in the past. Thank you. Dismiss us with your grace and mercy upon us. In thy name we pray.